0: Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I believe we are living in the greatest time the church has ever seen. Friend, this is what the elders preached about. This is what Paul wrote about. And I believe Paul would give anything to be able to stand where we're standing. I believe it's time for the church to be the church. There's never been a better time. For a move of God than right now, never been a better time. I'm not one to study poetry, but I came across something real short that I felt was so timely. The Clock of Life by Robert H. Smith. The clock of life is wound but once, and no man has the power to tell just when the hands will stop at late or early hour to lose one's wealth. It's sad indeed to lose one's health is more. To lose one's soul is such a loss that no man can restore. To present only is to the present only is our own, so live, love, toil with the wheel. Place no faith in tomorrow, for the clock may then be still. I believe it is our duty And it is God's will for us as a church to seize the opportunity that he has placed before us. And I believe God has a word tonight to speak to this great church found in the book of Judges chapter number 8 and Second Samuel chapter 23. I was not aware of what Brother Hughes was going to say, but you're fixing to get part two. I believe the Lord spoke to me today in prayer. And I will just want to unload my heart. It may not be the most eloquent, but it's never burned greater than what is burning on my spirit tonight. The Bible says in Judges chapter number 8, I'll read one verse, chapter number 8 of Judges. And verse number 4 says, And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over, he and the 300 men that were with him. Faint, yet pursuing them. Faint, yet pursuing. Second Samuel chapter 23 and verse number 10. I'll read just this one verse. He, he being Eleazar, arose, smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. He was in the middle of a battle, and weariness struck. Yet the Bible says his hand, though weary it was, clave to the sword. I want to preach tonight, weary but willing, weary. But I believe there's a church that still has some fight in them. I believe there's some people that may be scarred, but you're not down for the count. Would you lift your hands to heaven right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray in this place for an anointing to settle amongst your people. I'm asking God for a supernatural assistance to step into this place. And God, for a total powerful move of God that it reignites a passion in us, God. And we leave set ablaze with an anointing, with a purpose. Clap your hands in the name of Jesus. God, do a work in this place. your Lord bless you? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Weary, but willing. If you were to ask me tonight to put a label on this present generation, give me one word to define society, the world in which we live. My mind would shuffle through various words such as intellectual, modern, fashionable, technological, superficial, and the list could go on and and on and on. Although these words would apply, I believe, to certain aspects of society, I believe that there is one word that could universally describe the world in which we live, and that word is materialistic. The lens through which this current generation views success, in my opinion, is grossly distorted. To many, success is defined as achieving a certain position, a certain size home, a nice car, or an exorbitant amount of money. The world uses materialistic objects as the measuring stick Success. There are people who grow up in this world that that think they will only be something if they are a sports hero or if they are a celebrity or or anything of that nature, and they define success uh, as what we see. And because of this inappropriate viewpoint, many are placing unrealistic demands on themselves. To achieve a certain aspiration, many people feel that money must increase. And, and women could no longer stay at home with children as, as once happened. I understand a shift in society. I'm not preaching against that. But here are these statistics. According to statistics, the number of working women has risen from 5.1 million in 1900 to 18.4 million in 1950. To 66.2 million in 2009. And the number of women in the labor force is projected to be more than 78 million by 2018. This is not just a, a mere coincidence that uh, women don't have anything to do at home, so they go to work. It's because the world places unrealistic expectations in our mind that, that we have to, we have to achieve something. To be something. The family model has shifted as both husbands and wives work tirelessly to give their children the life they never had. To say that the stress level has increased drastically would be an understatement. And people take on more than they can possibly handle. They take on extra loads for extra money. They they do more to make more. They they stretch themselves so thin they burn the candle at both both ends trying to make it just another day. And if the stress of this present materialistic world is not burdensome in and of itself, couple it with the continuous onslaught from hell, and you will understand why some churches are not having revival. If all we had to deal with was materialistic and and what we see on this earth, that alone in this day and age is burdensome. That alone is a heavy load to carry. But you factor in this visible world with the invisible world, which existed before the visible world. Friend, the spiritual world is more real than the physical world. In fact, the spiritual world is eternal. So when you have an onslaught from hell against your family, against your kids, against your finances, etc., etc., couple the wearisomeness with the world and relate that also double it with the Spirit. You understand that the only word I can think of to describe people in church today is weary. Weary. Good people. Faithful people. Pay their tithes. Just like everyone here in this building tonight, you're faithful to the house of God. But I believe there's more than one person in this building that can attest to the fact that we have reached points in our life where the only way to describe us is we're weary. God, I'm weary. You've been living for God any length of time. You understand what I'm talking about. You come to church and it seems like everything is a fight. You go to job and everything's a fight. You go home and everything's a fight. Everywhere you go, it's like you're getting hit from every angle and you're trying to keep your head above the water just to stay afloat. Am I making sense to anybody here? Weary. Weary. The attack of the enemy against God's people. Is increasing at an alarming rate. And you better hear this preacher. As we near the return of Christ. And we are at this moment very close. The church will come under unprecedented attack. As we near the coming of the Lord. There will be spirits raging that once never raged. They were laid dormant. There will be spirits working against families. They're already, parents, your kids are fighting spirits that you never really had to deal with. Those were kind of kept at bay. And when, when you were in high school or you were in junior high, your kids are fighting spirits that you don't know nothing about. We can blame it on a societal shift, and I believe to in part, but there's spirits behind all of that. What happens in the physical world is just a mirror of what started in the spirit. What we're seeing in the flesh first happened in realms that we never saw, so we we can't put all everything just in oh that society or oh, that's just the world in which we live. No friend, at the root of it all is uh, is one who hates righteousness. At the root of it all is one who is anti Christ. Talking about the anti Christ, I'm talking about a spirit of anti. Christ, a spirit that opposes righteousness, a spirit that hates you living for God. I remind you, friend, that this indeed is a battle. It is good versus evil. It is heaven or it is hell. I believe if we ought to take one thing serious, it's our soul. Friend, if there's one thing we shouldn't play around with, it's our soul. It's our friend's souls. It's revival. If we're going to take anything serious, it better be a move of God. When we come to this place, we got to push aside everything that we're facing and say, God, I want to con- Connect with you. I'm not one tonight to give too much credit to the devil. I know that some people they put him almost as high as God in their lives. every, every time you talk to them, they're under attack. Everything's a, the devil, devil, devil. I'm not saying he's getting all the credit, but I do believe that he does intervene and interrupt our lives. I believe he does. There is a spirit that opposes righteousness. I believe that the classic example that we always go to, I believe it carries much weight is the story of Job, where Job was a righteous man. He loved God. He lived for God, if you will. Yet there was a hedge removed around from Job. God took it it away and said, you can do everything but take his life. All that stuff that happened to Job, God did not cause it. The enemy brought it about in his life because he was living for God. Now, we understand that Jesus holds the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And the only thing that I believe can't happen, and that is that the devil can't take lives like he did Job's family. But all that other stuff is still applicable to those people who live for God today. You Don't find a coincidence once you have a breakthrough in God that stuff starts happening. Think it not strange that once we start moving in a right direction and you start getting your life right and you start pursuing God with passion, don't think it's strange or, or coincidence that things start going wrong to deter you. Don't chalk it up as happenstance. that... And think, oh well, that's just part of life. No, there are some things that are brought by the enemy to deter you and to hinder you and to distract you and to keep you from being who God called you to be. Don't think of, that's just the cards that God dealt me. No. No, there are some elements that's that's true. But there are some things that it's rooted in opposition to God. And if it can distract you and get you weary, to where you're just trying to make it to church another day. I'm just there's some people that's been in the same rut for 10 years, they never got out of it. It's not that God didn't have the power to bring them out, it's that well, I'm not gonna go there. Some people like the attention their rut brings them because if they never come out of the rut, then they're always on your mind. Well, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. But understand, understand that God does have the power to bring us out. You don't have to make it a pit from which you never come out of. I believe that there is more power in the Holy Ghost than Satan could ever muster up. And why do we stay in situations and allow them to determine our victory? When Jesus secured victory, when He rose from the grave. Friend, if anybody's got a reason to have power and to shout and to worship and to live in victory, it's the church of the living God. Yes! Yes! The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This scripture reveals to us the breeding ground of all opposition. Everything that we face in the physical is birthed in Ephesians 6 and 12. Principalities, powers, Rulers of the darkness of this world. Spiritual wickedness in high places. It's a breeding ground for opposition. It's a place where they conjure up methods and means whereby they can deter and trip up the saints of the living God. What we see and what we face, what causes us so much weariness in the physical, is birthed in the spiritual. It's birthed in the invisible realm. And we face these battles. We face realms in the spirit, and we face battles in the flesh, and we come to church, and I've been there times where I just want to catch my breath, God. Just give me, give me 30 minutes of reprieve, God. I'm tired, God. I'm weary, God. You know what it's like to face things in church and face things in the, in the world? You get weary. You get tired. You feel beat up. God, what do I do? I, our question, our condition is questionable and we lose all thought of progress individually and collectively. And we find ourselves in a position and a realm in God where we would rather maintain than progress. We would rather just hold on to what we've got than pursue what God has for us. Because we're weary, because we have fought But I remind you what Paul said. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Nobody said it's going to be easy. Nobody said it's going to be a cakewalk. Nobody said it's going to be handed to you on a silver platter. But he said this, be strong in the Lord. It's not going to be you that overcomes. It's going to be the power of the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. No, you can't overcome it by yourself. That's what Calvary was for. That's what the power of the Holy Ghost is for. I believe it's time for the church to be victorious. You say, well, we are victorious. I I believe to a degree, but I don't believe we're operating in the realm God designed for us to operate in. I'm not bashing the church. I love the church. I've been to all kinds of churches in these past couple of years. But one thing that disturbs me in my spirit is I'm not seeing Book of Acts church. It's not not a knock against anybody's church. I believe that we have become so weary in living for God, trying to hold the faith. Trying to be passionate. And we live from breakthrough to breakthrough. And in the middle of those breakthroughs is weariness. 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 The Lord called Gideon to bring about a victory. It was in a season of Israel's history where they were greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. The enemy was wreaking havoc. They were full of fear They were full of heartache. I believe I could pause there and draw a parallel between the the Israel and that day in the church today. Israel wasn't what they once were. Because the enemy had wreaked havoc in Israel. And they were full of fear. And they were full of heartache. And there are churches that are not operating in dimensions that they once did. Because the enemy has slipped in and has wreaked havoc and has wreaked heartache on their congregation and on the body of Christ. That's the picture of Israel. In Judges chapter 6 and verse 11, an angel of the Lord visited Gideon. Bible said that he chose Gideon and and Gideon of all people he felt like this was a mistake how how can God use me but finally there came a point where Gideon relented and said God I'll do what you want me to do and he amassed him an army only to watch the Lord dwindle his army down to 300 people he thought it was impossible even with his big army much less with 300 Hundred people armed with a trumpet, a pitcher, and a lamp. God proved his power through Gideon and his army. God proved his power through the church, if you'll allow me the liberty. Even though people wrote them off, even though people said that church will never be what it once was, even though there were people who labeled it as a has-been church, if you please, that they have seen their heyday, they have seen the best that God had for them. God brought victory with just that many people. I'm going somewhere, just hang with me. That could have been enough to celebrate in and of itself, but you gotta understand. You gotta, you gotta understand that God did not give just a partial victory. I pause to tell you this. You gotta look further in the story there. Zeba and Zelmuna took off. And, and they they at first only received a partial victory, but Gideon was not satisfied with partial victory. I, I understand that there are some churches. I've seen them. Uh, the enemy comes against them, uh, and they finally get a slow a small reprieve, uh, and they dance and they shout over partial victories. Uh, but I believe God is in this thing for total victory. Gideon wasn't going to stop until the chains that held the church back was destroyed. You hear me. This church has seen partial victory in the past. You have danced over what God did in the past. But I come with a word from the Lord. If you want victory, you got to be willing to pursue regardless of how weary you You ain't seen nothing yet. I believe God is fixing to break the chains that have held this church back and the spirits that have attacked your family and has attacked this church will be destroyed by the power. And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over. He and the 300 men that were with him. Now here's the whole secret to the victory. It wasn't in the initial battle. It wasn't in the initial blow of the trumpet. But the Bible said that victory came because they were faint. Yet they kept pursuing. No, they didn't feel like fighting. Yes, they were weary because of the battle. But there was a determination inside of them that said regardless of how far they run, regardless of how big they look, regardless of what opposition they may bring the church, if you please, I may be weary, but I'm still willing to fight. I'm still willing to give God everything I've got because my victory hinges upon it. My victory. If one can put a 1,000 to fight and two can put 10,000 to flight, what would happen if a church full of Holy Ghost, born again people, said, I don't care what situation I'm in. I don't care what the naysayers are saying. I believe we can have a revival. I believe we can have a move of God. I'm tired of Satan having his way. I wonder, is there anybody tired of the devil wreaking havoc in your family, wreaking havoc in the church, wreaking havoc in your finances? I wonder if anybody can say, you know what, I've had enough of this. Now's the time for somebody to arise and pick up a sword. I'm talking to people who used to intercede I'm talking to people who used to be on your face before God Oh, people who know what it's like to operate in dimensions of the spirit, yet you've come under attack, and you're weary, and your weariness has superseded your willingness. I've come tonight to stir your heart. It's not too late to be used by God. It's not too late for chains to break. It's not too late for revival to be poured out in this church. Oh, somebody talk to the Lord just a moment. I feel a check in my spirit. Oh, I wish somebody would pray in the Holy Ghost right now. That's it. That's it, Mama. That's it, Daddy. Chains can break. He <laughs> told Somebody let the Holy Ghost flow through you Oh, right now. Somebody, maybe you haven't interceded in a long time. I believe there's a door opening right now to somebody in the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, ma'am. Come on, sir. Just press with me in the Holy Ghost for a minute. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. (laughs) Church I can't go no further I'm opening these altars right now I feel the Holy Ghost so strong Saying I'm giving them an opportunity If you want God to use you If you feel that revival is on the way If you want to be a part of it I'm telling you There is an open door set before this church right now there's an open door if you want to be used by God. I'm, I'm asking you that the Holy Ghost use you.